Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Mackenzie campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation and our world. We're preaching a series at the moment called Return. This morning I want to look at the idea of return and rejoice or return with joy. Joy is a big subject in the Bible. God promises us a joy, a joy that is different to any other kind of joy that can be experienced. And the Bible speaks about it over 400 times in different references. Paul says in Philippians, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. James says, consider it all joy when you encounter trials of many kinds. Peter says, Though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. David says in Psalm 118, this is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. And I reckon Hebrews probably says one of the most controversial things about joy, talking about Jesus. It says, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Somehow or other, in all the pain and agony of the cross, there was joy in the progression for Jesus. So what is this joy that the Bible promises? We're not just talking about happiness, because happiness seems to be a fleeting thing. Jesus wasn't necessarily happy about going to the cross, but there was a joy in him for what he could see beyond the cross. Joy clearly is a deeper expression. It's a deeper experience. It's a more abiding quality that we can have around our lives. But if only we could grasp what it is. And this morning, my prayer is that you will receive by the Holy Spirit the revelation of what joy could be. And so you could build that into your life more completely and totally. Joy is deeper than happiness. Joy acknowledges the struggle, the trial, the challenge, but somehow creates an inner power and strength inside us. Where anxiety, worry or depression wears us out, joy fills us with vitality and with strength. The challenge is that joy is often a temporary experience. We know that joy cannot be the product of Christian cliches. You know, it's just not a matter of, you know, don't worry, be happy. It's not a matter of looking on the bright side all the time, trying to just find the upside. It's got to be more than that. The joy that God promises must be something deeper and it must be something attainable. This morning, I'd love us to look at what that is. Probably the most sold plaque at Kurong would be the plaque that says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. What is that joy? How do we enter into it? How does it become more a part of our lives? Well, Jason preached a sermon last week where he spoke from Nehemiah. We looked at the whole story of the children of Israel coming back from captivity in Babylon, back to Jerusalem. They came back as a group of people. They cleared the rubble that was there where the altar Uh, lay, they rebuilt the altar, they made a sacrifice to the Lord, they built the temple of the Lord before they built their own houses. And then they stood in the city square and Ezra and Nehemiah and the, the other priests read the book of the law from the dawn until midday. 
in the hot sun. Could you imagine being a part of that sermon and how long that would go as they stood there for almost six hours reading the law to the people? At the end of that whole period, they began to weep and mourn. They began to realize how far they'd fallen as a nation from what God in his covenant through the law had promised them and how much their disobedience had taken them away from that place. So let's pick up the story in Nehemiah 8 and verse 9. It says this, And Nehemiah, who was the governor, Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn nor weep. For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send portions to those for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord. Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites quieted the people, saying, Be still, for the day is holy. Do not be grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and drink, to send portions and rejoice greatly, because they understood the words that were declared to them. The joy of the Lord is your strength. What Nehemiah was trying to say to the people that day was this, that you're looking at your lives through natural eyes. You're looking at the things that you feel you failed God, but God is not looking at you with natural eyes. He's looking at you spiritually. He's seeing you as a people. You've come back to Jerusalem, you have rebuilt the altar, you have re-established the temple and you are re-establishing the law. Hey, you've come back into covenant with your God. And by coming back into covenant with God, God has found joy in what you've done. The joy of the Lord is your strength. In other words, this, is, this passage is speaking about God's joy that we have come into covenant with Him. God gets pleasure from your righteousness. God gets pleasure when you come into right standing with Him. God's primary mission from the beginning of time, from the, the birthplace of creation, was that He would establish the righteousness of God in mankind, that we as people would be covenanted to Him. And so He came to us in Adam and created covenant. He came to us in Abraham and created covenant. He came to us in Moses and the children of Israel and created covenant with them. Why? Because he wants to bind himself to the mission of righteousness, right standing between humankind and God himself. And then we see the ultimate expression where the word of covenant himself, Jesus, the word, the covenant word becomes flesh. God becomes human. This is a picture of a living covenant between God and humankind. And then we get to hear this covenant word, this person called Jesus praying the night before he goes to the cross. And we hear in his prayer the ache of his heart of what he's trying to create. Let's just jump into that. John Chapter 17 and verse 20 says this, I do not pray for these alone, meaning the disciples that were there with him, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That's you and I that have come since that time, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you. Now get this next bit. And they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me, that we will be one in Him, Father, Son, and Spirit, humankind in the flesh of Jesus, reconciled in righteousness to God Himself. 
Jesus is the very picture of the covenant joy of God. Jesus had a picture of what he was doing as he went to the cross. No wonder then in Hebrews it says, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Why? Because he was covenant flesh. He was God, truly God. He was man, truly man. He was faithful to both of those people, both of those entities. He was the one person that joined together both God and humankind in covenant. And so as he went to the cross, he saw what it was he was completing. It was the end of many covenants that had been fulfilled, that had come to a climax in him. And now he was delivering that for his father and he was delivering it for you and I. What could Jesus see that gave him joy? He saw you. He saw you in right standing with him. And that gave him joy. This is the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord in the covenant of righteousness that you and I have with him. I've uh, got a niece who, uh, when she was a baby, she's now 24 years of age and married with her own baby. But when she was a baby and we were trying to work out what she would call her uncle, uh, she couldn't seem to say Derek because that was just a little bit too hard for a little baby to get their, their words around. And so we tried to teach her DP, and I guess I've been DP to people for many, many decades. And so we tried to teach her DP, but she couldn't say DP either, so she called me PP. Now, PP uh, doesn't sound all that good if you were hearing it outside of context. It's not normally a word that you'd like to be associated with. Maybe you wouldn't really like to be called PP uh, for all the other connotations that it could be. But it's a name that even though others might find offence in it, is actually a story of love and affection between her and I. You know, today at 24 years of age, with her own child, she still calls me Pee-Pee. Even when I rock up at their house, we write on our birthday cards, we send emails together, whatever, I'm still Pee-Pee. And I love it because it's a story between us. It's the story of our love for each other. It's the story of our relationship. And I hope she never changes that word for me. You know... God, in the same way, has had his eye on one thing since the birth of creation. This one thing that gives him great joy. And when we say the name of Jesus, we are actually saying the one thing that God finds great joy in. Because Jesus, as the name, reconciles you and the Father together. There is righteousness for you. There is not one blot of sin there is not one thing that stands between you and Father God in heaven because of Jesus. And when God looks at that, it has great joy that generates for him. God gets pleasure from seeing righteousness. God gets pleasure when you enter into that righteousness and relationship with him. Jesus was God's great dream for humankind. Jesus is the meeting place between God and man. Jesus was the prototype for all humankind. Jesus wanted to show us who the Father was, but he also wanted to show us what our response to the Father should be. Jesus was the one that brought to us the name Father. Everyone was, had God, there was Yahweh, there was all kinds of different names, but Jesus said, no, it's Father. And when you pray, pray this, our Father who art in heaven. What was Jesus doing? Jesus was saying, just like I pray to my Father, Stand in my shoes. Stand in 
the way I pray and pray like I pray. My relationship with Father God is the relationship I'm giving you with Father God. So when you pray, pray our Father because it's Jesus' Father and it's my Father. And Jesus puts us together. He is both Saviour and friend. He is Saviour and big brother to us. And he says, make sure you pray like I pray. Our Father who art in heaven. The joy of the Lord is our strength. The joy of the Lord. God has pleasure in your right standing with him. Our strength comes from the realisation that God is happy with us. Why should we mourn? Why should we keep putting ourselves down? Why should we keep putting ourselves out of the picture as if it doesn't matter when God's whole purpose from creation was to unite you and him with himself? That's his whole purpose. That's his whole dream. So God gets great pleasure from the cry of your heart that says, Father, Father, Father. That's music to his ears. And can I ask you, if God is for you, who can be against you? If God is, has joy over your life, if God rejoices over you, then who is it that could ever be against you? When God fights for you, all the enemies flee. The question really is, how does his joy become your strength? In other words, how do we rejoy ourselves? The word rejoice simply is rejoy. So at times our joy leaves us. We're human and things happen, but we need to come back to a place of being rejoyed again with God. Let me ask you just a couple of things. Number one is what are you mostly conscious of? If you're conscious of your worries, your pressures, your burdens, your fears, your ambitions, these things are filling your mind constantly, then they will speak to you the most. The greatest asset you have Put aside all the other things of this world, material things or other. The greatest asset you will ever own is your right standing with God. At the end of the day, when life is finished, the thing that will matter the most is, do you know Jesus? So your right standing with God is everything. It's the greatest thing you will ever know. God experiences his joy from relationship with you. But does this truth speak inside you? Do you own the sense that God has pleasure with you? Well, you will if you start to focus on it. Where is your mind? What do you mostly think about all the time? What if you started to think about the righteousness of God that has been gifted to you through Christ Jesus? The second thing is this, that lasting joy is only found in divine encounter. There's nothing that will satisfy the human heart like encounter with God. Your whole divine encounter stands on the realisation that God is joyfully pursuing you. We don't come to God thinking that, that God's not interested, God is indifferent to us, God could care less. It's the furthest thing from the truth. God has been pursuing you from the beginning. God has covenanted himself with you. God has come in human flesh and stood on this earth to find you and retrieve you so that out of your heart would come the real cry of Father, that you would actually realise you have been found and adopted into his family. The realisation of this gives us strength. It's one of the great eternal divine sources of strength. Happiness will come and go. Fleeting experiences of this world will come and go. You will feel them and they will be gone. But something that will hold you forever is the realisation that God is for you and God will never leave you. Thirdly, we need to reframe in order to rejoice. W.H. Auden, when he was writing about what we choose to pay attention to, said this, 
to pay attention to this and ignore that is to the inner life what choice of action is to the outer. In both cases, man is responsible for his choice and must accept the consequences. As the Spanish philosopher Jose Ortega Y. Gasset said, tell me to what you pay attention and I will tell you who you are. God is wanting your focus to be on Jesus. God wants you to understand that Jesus is the cornerstone of your life. Jesus is the beginning point of where your life is formed from, where your understanding of who you are births from. Jesus reveals two things, that we are not slaves looking for a way of escape. We are not sinners without a hope. We are not orphans without a father. God has sent us a clear message in Jesus. We are found, we are whole, and we belong to him. Our strength comes from knowing this is God's greatest joy. Now this morning, we're gonna come around the table of the Lord and we're gonna share communion together. And I encourage you that as uh, Jason and Susan said earlier, if you've made those preparations, just go and grab those things now. We're gonna come around the table of the Lord. Just before we do, I'm gonna pray. I wonder if you could join with me wherever you are. Father, we thank you for the incredible message of hope that's in the gospel of Jesus. That name of Jesus, we reverence that name. We celebrate that name. We honor that name because in that name, there is inexpressible joy for you that humankind has come into fellowship. And God, in that name, we are reminded that our strength comes from knowing that there is nothing that separates us from God. Together, Father, we come together and find our strength in the knowing that God is with us and will never leave us or forsake us. God, today as we come around your table, I pray that you would open our hearts and you would guide our thoughts. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. I just want to invite you this morning to um, take hold of the bread or the juice, whatever that is that you might have in your home. And I just want to read from Isaiah this, this wonderful promise that I think sort of sums this whole story up. The promise of joy, the promise of righteousness in what Jesus was doing for us. Isaiah 61 and verse 10 says, I will rejoice greatly in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God. Why? For he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. Church, this is a picture of what our righteousness looks like in the eyes of God. You have been adorned. There is a robe of righteousness that sits on you. It's time for us not to mourn and weep and look around as if for some reason we are, don't belong or unworthy. Just like Nehemiah said to the children of Israel this morning, I want to encourage us as a church, don't mourn and weep because the joy of the Lord is your strength. Look with spiritual eyes to what it is that is around you. The bread is the celebration that God has joined us in human flesh. The wine is the commemoration that God took that flesh and poured it out for us to show us what love looks like. And together we see a manifestation of the relationship between God and man in these two elements. This morning I'd love you to take the bread, let's eat and drink together 
as we remember and celebrate this wonderful moment. Yes, Father, we, we do thank you. We worship you. Father, we know that this meal celebrates for us the foundation of our salvation in you and is the springboard of our joy. God, we will always have confidence if we know that you see us and find great celebration in us. God, today we decide this is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice. We will rejoice ourselves in the fact that you have reconciled us to you. Thank you for the covenant of promise we have. In the wonderful name of Jesus, amen.
blessed by this message. If we can pray for you or you would like to take a further step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to connect with you. Please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au and click on Get Connected to let us know.